This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. This BFM Budget 2023 special is brought to you by Ma Singh. Good afternoon. You're listening to Live and Learn with me, Dashran Johan. Last Friday at Parliament, Prime Minister, who was who's also the Finance Minister, Dato Sri Anwar Ibrahim, unveiled the new Budget 2023. Now, the budget titled Developing Malaysia Mandani involves an allocation of 388.1 billion ringgit. But is this a gender-responsive budget? Does it do enough to push for equality and equity across genders? Joining me on the show today is Lillian Cox. She's the Senior Program Manager at the All Women's Action Society, AWAM. Welcome to the show, Lillian. How are you? Hi, thank you, Dashan. Thank you for having us. Fantastic. Looking forward to our session today. Expectations were high for this budget because we have a reformist prime minister at the helm. Um, were these expectations met? What are your overall thoughts on budget 2023? Okay, so first of all, I thought that budget 2023 itself is moving towards the right direction. It is very rakyat centric. Mm. Uh, we can see that most of the things that are being proposed and planned are heading towards economic recovery which is what everybody is looking forward to now not with the whole uh, inflation thing is happening so i i think there are some things that are that are planned out there to counter with the inflation that's happening right now mm-hmm. and to improve our uh, quality of life monetarily so to speak when i say step in the right direction that is for the whole the the whole general right yeah everybody right. okay but when we talk about gender responsive budget first of all i'd like to touch on Uh, giving us very short definition of what is a gender responsive right. budget okay so it is a gender responsive budget is recognizing and understanding the needs from different groups in our community in our society in the right yeah so it's not only women it's also men and it's also how um women and men in different age groups uh younger the youth um the middle age and then the seniors what are their needs um it is an intersectional lens that we need to use in order to have consideration uh, about all these various groups and to be able to uh, allocate and plan for what they need and how to empower these groups uh, in order for for everybody to have a good quality of life mm. and this is also in line with the convention on the elimination of all forms of discrimination against women which malaysia is a signatory So whether this budget 2023 was gender responsive or not I would say that it is very slow it is slow in the responsive approach whereby not much of the intersection uh, between between men and women and uh, the various groups were recognized Is this budget better than the previous budget 2023 which was tabled by the Ismail Sabri's administration last year I wouldn't use the word uh better or anything you know every administration is always trying to do their best for the right yeah um although this budget is big it's bigger than the last administration but again as i've mentioned earlier it, it is very safe and it's very focused into improving the economy and hence i guess we can't really see a big difference between what was stable in 2020 and 2023 so i guess people still don't feel the wow factor in this budget 2023 but again I feel that this is because in the works of improving our economy we need to take slow and steady steps. 
So before we get to some of the the shortcomings of the budget, um, are there any uh, positives? Um, you know, when you when you really comb through the budget, are there any positives that you'd like to highlight with uh, regard to gender responsiveness or women empowerment? I guess I'll start with my personal favorite, which mm-hmm. is the legal the legal aid department has allocated some funding in order for people to get some form of legal aid and criminal uh, and justice. Right. on the cases. So that is really good because everybody does deserve uh, access to justice. The legal aid department will raise the eligibility limit for full legal aid from 30000 to 50000 Forward, the government will examine efforts to enact a specific act to offer legal aid for criminal cases so that the poor can have access to justice. So we are talking about people uh, this will definitely benefit anyone who are not able to afford uh, legal services or legal aid or legal representation. Right. And yeah, this will definitely benefit uh, probably the M40 or the B40 community in our society. And in terms of um, what is being recognized for the gender responsive budget is also the, the mental health assistance by the OSSC. Right. So that is also a good thing because when we talk about domestic violence and whatnot, we tend to miss out the mental health aspect of it. So right. adding on that section into the OSCC service is a, it's a really good thing. It's a positive right. thing. And it's, it also means that Malaysian as, as a whole, we are ready to speak up and talk about mental health. And also another thing that we like to we, we welcome is the um, Jabatan Pembangunan Kanak-Kanak, the Child Development Department. So uh, the children of Malaysia uh, will finally get some attention. Uh, and that is gender responsive because you are addressing a group of people in your community, which are the youth, which are the uh, young children, and you are focusing, uh, you're creating structure to focus on improving their lives. This is also positive, although this was um, this was applicable in the previous budget 2022, mm-hmm. but the continuation to allocate budget for D11 on the Sexual sexual Women and Children Investigation Division to combat cybercrime. So we know that cybercrime is, uh, is very rampant. It's not only child pornography, but it's also online sexual harassment. And all this um, online sexual harassment usually goes unreported because there are no, no reliable avenues to go to, for survivors to go make a report. So we hope that with this new allocation, the investigating processes, the capability from our authorities will empower and uh, encourage better reporting process down to down to the survivors. Side. Did Budget 2023, Lillian, address women's rights issues, particularly when it comes to domestic violence, sexual harassment and the likes? I know you, you touched on D11. Um, is that sufficient? Um, do we have other initiatives in the budget that address these issues? Okay, this is quite interesting because it's a yes and no okay. thing. All right. Okay, so it's... Uh, I guess I'll go with the no first one. Okay? okay, so we were... Um, we were wondering if there was any allocation to set up the sexual, the anti-sexual harassment tribunal because I don't think it was mentioned. And uh, that itself was a little bit like, oh, okay, you know, what's going to happen with that? But again, uh, goes back to earlier what, uh, what I've highlighted with the key positives that the 8 million ringgit to strengthen the role of local social support centres um, to, to help with early intervention for mental health issues and domestic violence, that itself 
uh, as I've mentioned earlier. So it's it's very very positive. It's uh it's an area that we rarely speak about before this. Mm-hmm. So having um having a budget allocated to develop this program will open up uh will probably improve how we deal with domestic violence or gender based violence as a community and it's also not only for NGOs like us but it's also for um every other stakeholders who are helping out with survivors out there. So we know that there is the incentive to encourage women back to the workforce, right? right? So that itself is supposed to be uh, empowering. But uh, we have to understand mm-hmm. that tax incentive does not apply to all uh, right. women. So that is what I talk about gender right. uh, gender responsive budget, right, right. Uh, budgeting. You need to have a gender lens to understand the various demographics. It's not as simple as women and men and young and old. It's not that simple. You have to understand... Um, which groups they come from, and what, and and with each um, groups with different financial backgrounds, there are different needs. Even when they come back to the workforce after creating a family, there are different requirements that will encourage them to come back to the workforce. So, in some sense, uh, like for example, this um, this tax incentive will encourage women who have skills in the formal workforce. Right. But what about the informal workforce, which comprises uh, mainly of women, number one, number two, and they are from the B40 community. Right. So what are their needs that was that was recognized, understand and allocated for? So I'll give you an example. I think there was not much talks about childcare services and whatnot. So right. that's what we want to try to encourage. Uh, we want to try to, we want to see more um, subsidy or more uh, more arrangement for childcare services for these women as well. And also like maybe incentives for work flexibility for these women to be able to have a balance between their family and the work. If you want them to come back to the workforce, you should be able to provide them a conducive uh, and substantive work environment for them to be able to perform and raise the family because that's also very important for the country like, to have a good family unit. On the show with me today is Lillian Cox, Senior Program Manager at the All Women's Action Society, AWAM. After the break, we continue our discussion on Budget 2023. Keep it here on Live and Learn, BFM 89.9. Stay tuned to BFM's Budget 2023 special brought to you by Marsing. This BFM Budget 2023 special is brought to you by Ma Singh. Welcome back to Live and Learn. I'm Dashran Johan and on the show with me today is Lillian Cox. She's a Senior Program Manager at the All Women's Action Society, AWAM. And we're talking about Budget 2023. So Lillian... What about sexual and reproductive health? Um, you know, we, we are talking about various issues here um, from period poverty to you also hear stories about how many women, um, especially women in, in the rural areas, often they, they are constrained by their husbands, whether their husbands give them permission or, or not to receive certain treatment when it comes to certain um, sexual and reproductive health. Um, various issues um, faced by uh, different women, especially from different classes. Um, what uh, does Budget 2023 address issues such as sexual and reproductive health? 
Mm, now, this is a bit of a surprising because mm-hmm. in the previous tabling of Budget 2023, there was an allocation of $11 million for mammogram tests, breast cancer and cervical cancer screening. Right. But, but I think this was not mentioned this time around. So we are wondering, um, you know, maybe there, maybe there needs to be a look into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's also very important, as you've mentioned, lah, you know, how, how are we going to encourage people to be more aware of their health, especially things like breast cancer, cervical cancer, where it's a little bit, um, uh, where people seem to be a bit more fearful of these kinds of, uh, of health treatment. But I think the health, uh, health sector has the second largest budget mm-hmm. this, this year. So uh, we hope to see some form of um, some form of addressment for of that, although it was not mentioned in the budget in the budget twenty twenty three. And uh, also, yes, about the uh, period of poverty, I believe that was mentioned in the previous budget, the previous budget twenty twenty three before, but uh, somehow we did not catch that in the this one as well. But uh, we are quite hopeful because the um, uh, YB Nancy Shukri has announced uh, the, the minister, the ministry's initiative of on period poverty not too long ago. So yeah, we hope that we can see something uh, moving out of it, lah. Earlier, you touched on this a little bit, but I want to dive into it uh, more. Um, as an incentive to encourage women to return to the workforce post-pregnancy, um, SOXO is going to amend its act to give grants equivalent to 80% of the insured workers' salary. Um, it is said that around 130,000 women who return to work after giving birth will benefit from this grant, which involves a total of 290 million ringgit. Now, that sounds um, um, great, what are your thoughts on this initiative when we really dive deep into it, right? Does it address the challenges women face post-pregnancy, which prevent many of them from returning to the workforce? Although this is a good in- in- mm-hmm. incentive, however, it will only encourage a certain group of women, which right. are women who are skilled workers in the former employment sector. So, majority of um, the majority of women in the B40 communities especially they are involved in the informal uh, workforce so they will not be applicable to apply for that right so what can we do for them so what what are their needs what can we do to encourage them um, to, to, to encourage them and uh, to make them feel inclusive? As well, so this is where we want to talk about um, the discussion of childcare, daycare, accessibility, and also um, flexibility in time, and this kind of initiatives that should be uh, that should be suggested to the employers itself of this informal informal work sector. We also want to see more community-based childcare center mm-hmm. for these uh, for these ladies from the informal workforce because that will also definitely encourage them to uh, to be more involved in the economic sector sector right yeah um does the budget address how we can expand um, initiatives for new fathers, right? Because even with the current initiatives and laws, some of which are, are progressive, admittedly, the burden and care uh, uh, ultimately falls tremendously on women, right? Um, even when we look at maternity leave, which is fantastic, exactly what we need, 
But we look at the difference, right? We have 90-day uh, maternity leave for women, 10 days paternity leave for men, which again suggests that, you know, a lot of the caregiving is going to be is going to fall on the shoulders of women who are going to be at home um, for 90 days. And then the guys are going to go back to work after 10 days. And, and, and you know, we're, we're talking about imbalances like these, which prevent women from um, rejoining the workforce, right? Does the budget do anything to address the, the inherent um, patriarchal imbalances, right? And tilt, tilt the, the scale a little bit so that, you know, men are also given the space to take on responsibilities and then we reduce the burden on women because we are hearing stories um, these days about how, you know, now that there's a 90-day maternity leave, a lot of employers don't like to hire women because they're saying, oh, okay, now women are going to go longer holidays and, and things like that. So I'd rather just hire men. So it, it feels like this is a vicious cycle. Does the budget do anything to, to sort of stop this cycle? Yeah, so first and foremost, right, uh, just to address on the uh, that recent survey mm -hmm. whereby those employees felt that they should, uh, that they prefer to hire more males, you know, because of this thing. I feel that for any employers who feels like that, they should be a bit more innovative in how they want to run their, their business operation. You cannot just blame on one part and say that this is going, this is going to cost me my operation costs if that is the only thing if that is one of the biggest factors that would cost your operation cost, then you should find another way to make more money, right? So I'm glad you brought it up because this goes back to the whole childcare, uh, right. childcare daycare accessibility that I've been trying to uh, to say earlier. So again, not all women need the tax incentive. Even women in the formal workforce, they would rather prefer they have a better uh, childcare daycare accessibility. It's so, like, wouldn't it be great if I have a little daycare center in my office? So it's, it just, it goes the same to this. The, uh, the importance of being there for the family, taking care of the family. And in our patriarchal uh, culture, unfortunately, the burden of that falls on the women, as you say. Uh, we always try to urge, um, urge employers and urge policymakers to urge employers to give incentives to employers to increase paternity care because it is very important for both parents to be able to be part of their children's life and be part of the family. So a father's role is not just go work, earn money, work, earn money. But unfortunately, for the longest time, we, we, we were grown, uh, we were raised with that thought, right? So the man is the breadwinner. As long as he, as he brings back the money, is fine. Mm -hmm. But I guess times have changed. People value um People value relationships more. People value um, their time with the family more. So I think that employers and policymakers need to move along with the, the cultural narrative that's happening today where people value their time off more. People value quality of life more. So apart from, you know, all of what we have talked about so far, what else, uh, you know, are you and, and AWAM and other rights groups you're working with, what are you all monitoring closely moving forward? Um, I'm, I'm wondering if implementation is one of the things because a lot of times in Malaysia, they say policymaking perhaps is not the main problem. Um, we always come up with fantastic five-star global standard policies and then the next day, nothing gets translated on the ground. So what we always tend to stress is we tend to stress monitoring and evaluation. 
Okay, so again, as what you as what you mentioned, I'll give you an example. Last year budget 2022, we know that uh, 13 million was allocated to B11, but we don't know how they spend the money, right. how much uh, out of the 13 million, how much was used, right? So um, we want we would like to know that for transparency is one thing, but also when we do a monitoring and evaluation exercise, we will be able to know what works and what doesn't work and what works we can continue what doesn't work we can tweak a bit then we can we will know how to spend that budget accordingly because there are a lot more other things um that we could use the money for right for example in the in in the case of uh, d11 for example if let's say there are uh if let's say they do an mne or anything and if they have access we also like to see um a gender sensitive training by the police so considering with the whole issue of the whole dress code and everything that just happened. So uh, a gender sensitivity training will be um, something that we would like to see as well. Um, so monitoring and evaluation budget is essential to ensure minimal wastage and effective allocation of the resources. Also, another thing we would like to look for is we would like to see uh, more narratives in East Malaysia. Right. Yes. So we know that there is um, there is a good funding for the OSCC, but there is no attempt to add such services in East Malaysia. Um, right. As far as I know, um, as far as I know, for example, like in Sabah, you have centers in KKS only. Okay, but what about the other rural areas? What about towns like Sandakan, Tawau, and the other smaller areas? And we know that in Sabah, it's a little bit harder to get to KK for everyone. So um, what is being done then? I don't think uh, budget 2023 or most of the budgets, they focus on East Malaysia. So we like to see more uh, more narratives and more contribution and more allocation towards our, our friends and our rakyat in East Malaysia. Like I mentioned at the start, right, the expectations um, heading into this budget was very high. Prior, you um, you also probably had your own um, sort of wish list, what you were hoping for, um, you know, that this, this budget touches on, um, important things that y'all were looking forward to in the budget. Um, what do you think this budget hit the mark um, based on what y'all were hoping for? And what areas do you think this budget was very lackluster if you compare to, you know, your wish list heading towards budget 2023? In a summary, I would say that what, what hit was um, was the in- incentive in trying to get women uh, to return to the workforce. Hmm. So we know that if um, if women are given the opportunity, if Malaysian women are given the opportunity to return to the workforce, they will be able, uh, I mean, when we eliminate the gender gap, right, we will be able to increase our GDP to 8.2%. So it is very fantastic that we are encouraging working women to come back to the workforce. That's good. Um, also, again, back to the addressing, um, the addressing of mental health with um, as a as a first respondent that is uh, for domestic violence that's also very good what we missed was the uh, allocation on the implementation for the sexual harassment uh, anti-sexual harassment act and also the health the mammogram test and the breast cancer the cervical right. test as well that was kind of like oh yes and one thing that was uh, that is really good was also the uh, child development initiative 
So that that is that was uh, that is very positive as well. So um, also uh, allocation for period poverty because that is also something that is uh, that is uh, that is what we are facing. And when we talk about period poverty, it's not only about being able to use uh, sanitary or hygiene products. So it's about uh, the knowledge, understanding, and also the infrastructure that is available for us, uh, for women, to manage their uh, menstruations. Absolutely. And before we wrap this conversation up, Lillian, would you have a final message for us? We hope to see some monitoring and evaluation exercises. Mm-hmm. Uh, we hope to have some kind of report from all these uh, stakeholders who have received these allocations. We want to see what went well, what did not go well, how can we as NGOs um, assist in uh, achieving the goals, uh, in achieving the goals that we are supposed to for the betterment of um, of the right lah. And again, moving forward, we would like to we would like to see policymakers to be able to put on the gender lens and to understand. Um, the importance of creating a gender-responsive budget for every sector. So again, um, gender-responsive budget is not a men and a woman thing, it's an everybody thing. It's just recognizing everybody's needs and differences and to be able to fix that. And finally, let's look at to our friends at East Malaysia and ask them as well, what do they need? How can we help them? And more allocation for them as well. And on that note, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Dasha. Thank you. That was Lillian Cox. She's a Senior Program Manager at the All Women's Action Society, AWAM. If you missed any part of our conversation, you can also check us out on podcasts. We're available on the BFM app, bfm.my, or pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Dashan Johan, and this has been Live and Learn, BFM 89.9. This BFM Budget 2023 special was brought to you by Marseille. Reinvent spaces. Enhance life. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.